Rapture 2. What is going on? Breakthrough success listeners. Mark Burry, the business freelance writer here today. In this episode, we're going to talk about a very important topic, which is wealth. And we could cover so much ground in this topic, but we're going to focus on cash flow. How do you get your money to work a little bit harder for you so you know that the money you're making from your business, it's getting put into assets, it's getting put into strategies that generate cash flow that adds up, compounds, and creates more future possibilities. We'll talk about that in this episode today. Our guest who joins us, he is known as the Wealth Architect. He's on a mission to change the way that we invest. He's an author, instructor, and fund manager who has traded over $14 billion worth of securities. All of this experience is going to culminate into a jam-packed episode designed to help you with your wealth and cash flow. Our guest who joins us is none other than Mark Yegi. Mark, hey. welcome. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to be here so much. I'm looking forward to talking with your audience and just getting right into it. I know we got a lot to unpack here in a very short period of time. Let's rock. I love the enthusiasm. <clears throat> Mark, let us get right into it. Cash flow, it's something that we all like the idea of where we put money into stocks or we put money into real estate and we get cash flow passive. And I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the ways that we could approach building cash flow within our portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. And before I do, I just want to lay a little groundwork about why I do this, right? We go to school for about 24,000 hours to about 30,000 hours if we go higher education. And, you know, we learn about Cleopatra and the Egyptians and the Pythagorean theorem and isosceles triangles and A squared plus B squared and Romeo and Juliet. But Nothing do we ever that. really spend much time learning about money? I don't know about you, Mark, but I use money every day. And I think we should know about it. But, you know, why don't we just take a few hours, carve it out, and really learn how to handle it? Because if you know how to handle money, it can totally transform your life. If you don't know how to handle money, it can totally transform your life. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So now that to, to answer your question, most people don't take the time to get financially educated. And to me, it's like one of the most critical things that you can do, but we make it an elective in our society. It's not part of most curricula in any schools, colleges, or whatever. You have to go and make it an elective, like a lot of things in life, right? They should be part of the curriculum, but we've got to get educated with financial education. And the part that makes me most passionate is passive income. So I have a, a five-step process to get you from learning all the way to passive income and where you're contributing back to society. But the learning is important because then you earn, right? Once you earn money, that's not going to make you rich. That's like, you're going to pay money to live and maybe you'll be able to save a little bit, but savings is not going to make you rich as we know right now, because if you're saving in this economy, you're getting hammered with inflation, right? So you can't save your way to wealth. So you have to invest. And when you invest, a lot of people don't really know how to do it. It's overwhelming to them. You got to invest for passive income. Eventually, with enough passive income, you replace your regular income, and then you can live the life of your dreams. It's a pretty simple process, but no, most people don't even know the steps to get there. So I have a program called the Cash Flow Machine, which you and I talked about just briefly before we started the call. And this is a way to take an asset and create cash flow from it. Now, these assets that we do it with 
our stocks. So I'm excited about that. It's a program that we make about 2 to 4% a month for most of our investors. I have hedge funds that I run. I do all kinds of stuff around the cash flow machine. But it's just one of those things that I, I always say they have four epiphanies. The first one is they didn't know they could even do this. The last one is, why doesn't everybody do this? And so I could talk about that if you want to know a little bit more about it. So, I mean, 2 to 4% per month. I know there are a lot of dividend stocks that do 2 to 4% per year. You hold on yeah. to them. You hope they yeah. appreciate and you get cash flow along the way. You can reinvest it. A lot of people, they like to do the buy and hold and reinvest. But how do people go about getting 2 to 4% returns in cash flow per month? What is the strategy behind that? Well, yeah. And, I, and I'm going to go right into that. Let me, put, let me lay a little perspective on that, right? Let's say you have a dividend-paying stock paying you 4% a year. Well, what do they say inflation is right now? The official rate is what? 7.9%, 7. Yeah, right? 7 so you're already guaranteeing yourself a loss if you make 4% a year. You're like To me, that's not very safe money. You're guaranteeing yourself a loss in purchasing power. I happen to think inflation is running 20 25% right now, not 7.9% because nothing I buy goes up 7.9%. It's all way more than that. So you've got to find a way to keep up and keep ahead of inflation. So the 2 to 4% a month that you asked about is basically we take an asset. It's like when people rent out a house, we just rent out stocks. It's a different kind of thing. Let me give you an analogy of how this works. Let's say that you look out your window and across the street, your neighbor has a, uh, has a vacant lot. It's a one acre vacant lot. And he puts a sign out and it says, for sale, $100,000. Let's call him Jim. So Jim's got this lot. He's trying to sell it for $100,000. And then Susie, Susie happens to hear a rumor that right next to Jim's lot, they're going to build a big, huge Hilton hotel. So, but she doesn't have the $100,000 to go to Jim and buy the property. So what does she do? She goes to Jim and says, listen, Jim, I want to buy your property, but I don't have the $100,000. I'll tell you what, I'll give you $10,000 if you just tie it up for six months and I can buy it anytime in that six months for $100,000. Is that cool? And he goes, all right, hang on, Susie. You're going to give me $10,000 that I get to keep no matter what, but you can buy the property from me for the $100,000 that I'm asking anytime in there. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly the deal. They shake hands. He's like, how can I lose on that? And here's a couple things that could happen. Number one, Susie's right. If she's right, the lot all of a sudden becomes worth a million dollars. She took her $10,000 and turned it into a million dollars, right? I'm exaggerating, but just you get the point. She took that $10,000 investment and turned it into a million dollars. But you know what? Information is imperfect. And so probably she was just betting on a rumor and they're not going to build that big, huge hotel. And in the end, she loses her $10,000. So she gambled $10,000 and Susie got left holding the bag. But Jim got the $10,000. He still keeps the property and he puts it back on the market for $100,000 and it keeps the $10,000 extra. So he made a, let's call it a 10% return in that period of time. So who would you rather be? Would you rather be Jim making $10,000 for sure? Or would you rather be Susie with the chance, which is a small chance of making a million dollars? I mean, just that perspective where you have the, when you're doing that type of investment, you run the risk of the asset going substantially higher than the original price, but you have that guarantee of the 10%. And some investors, they like to hold on to cash. And this is a really great way to do that where you get assets at lower prices or you get to keep your cash. There's a lot of different ways that you could take that analogy yeah. applied to cash flow. And 10% cash flow in six months, just based on the example, which is possible for certain stocks if you're looking at this strategy. I mean, for some people, 
it may make some sense to get into that type of play. Yeah. So you, I think you nailed it. The bottom line is statistically 80% of those options that people buy, like Susie bought that option. Now we use the real estate analogy because people can touch real estate and they like it better than stocks. And I'll, I'll give you an example in a second, but that 10, you know, 80% of the time those expire worthless. So that's the big gambler, right? Jim is like the house in Las Vegas, right? He collects the 10%, no matter what he collects that $10,000. What does that do? It lowers his basis in the property. Now, let's say you got some shares of Tesla. This is a lot of my people in my program take trade Tesla because it's a fun stock. They can put their hands on it. A lot of them drive Teslas or they ordered them. And so you can buy Tesla for about a thousand dollars right now. And then you can sell calls against Tesla. I think I just sold a call this morning for about $30. Now, this is a one-week call. It expires a week from Friday, just a little longer than a week. And $30 on $100,000 is what? It's 3%, right? So you can get 3% in just a little bit over a week. That's right in that 2 to 4% range. Now, we shoot for 2 to 4% a month, and not everybody trades Tesla. There are stocks that are a little bit less volatile. And if you, if you just get 2 2% a month, that turns out to be about 24% a year. And the, the compounding effect of 24% a year, number one, it keeps you ahead of inflation. But number two, it accelerates on itself very quickly. And most people don't even know that you can invest this way. And I've been doing this since I was 12 years old. So it's pretty cool. I mean, when you're selling options and you see they expire worthless, like you get this free money idea where you did nothing. You just paid attention a little bit and you got paid. Well, one of the things I want to go into though is... Just, I want to address one of the weaknesses. I'd love to hear your take on this, especially sure. for people who feel married to a stock where they don't want to give up those shares and then they feel like they have to buy to close their position. What's your advice for people in that regard? Like, would you just say, learn how to divorce yourself from the stock or just only stick with the companies that you feel comfortable with the option? Oh, that's such a, that's a very astute question. Most people don't even know what buying to cover means. And you, you nailed it. That's exactly right. What we do is not, we don't just do covered calls. We have a full system built around covered calls. And as you know, like a system's got rules and if thens, and if this happens with the market and we, we use the market, to tell us what to do and how deep to go. And we want that stock to be over our strike price every week. Now, I don't want to get too wonky on this because not everybody understands what I'm talking about, but yes, we don't want to lose the stock. So we do buy to cover. But that doesn't mean we didn't get to keep the 3% that we made. That's ours. That's like Jim. He gets to keep the 10% no matter what, right? So we might that stock might go up, but and we'll have to buy that option back a little bit higher. But we got to keep that time premium. And that's we call it the juice in our program. We got to squeeze the juice and keep the juice after we collected it. And if you just do that over and over and over again, we call it renting stocks instead of renting your house or renting an apartment complex, you can rent stocks and you can turn a stock into an income producing stock, even if it's not a dividend payer like you brought up at the beginning of the call. I mean, the fact that we're able to do this with any stock that does options instead of just a dividend stock, you can look at more stocks and see cash flow instead of seeing this high revenue, no profits company not being able to give you the dividend. It just expands your possibilities. And Absolutely. I don't know about you, but renting stocks is a lot less stressful than real estate just because there's a lot more hassle and things that can possibly go wrong in that area versus something like stocks. You nailed it. Yeah, there's no two, there's no toilets that you have to go clean at two o'clock in the morning yeah. when you're when you're renting stocks out. 
And the beautiful thing is, is that you can do it. And it's not for every stock here. We, I'll just give you a little bit of a tidbit into, into what we teach in our pro. We have, we have a mastermind program that we recommend that people get into. And that's a full course. We've got three courses actually around it, but we have calls like this. We have chat groups. I do mentorship for that course and that mastermind group. So it's a, it's a very hands-on way of making money. But here are the cornerstones of the system. It's you buy the right stock in the right market. Can't just buy it in any market. Like this has been a tough market until this week, right? The right stock in the right market at the right spot on the chart. And then you squeeze the juice. That's the four cornerstones of what we do in the cash flow machine. And it's a bunch of rules. So anything worth doing is worth doing well. So you got to learn some rules. Certainly there's some time that you've got to invest in doing it. But on the other side of it, you get a system that you get to use for the rest of your life to create passive income. We call it safe, reliable income. It's really cool. And what would you say are some of the elements of the right stock? I know you talk more about this in your program and how you train people, but I'd love if maybe we could share some insights just to give people a little bit of a teaser. Sure. And and this is not for every stock. I know people that have taken my course or been in the mastermind group. We've tried to dissuade those people from buying the wrong stock. They buy the wrong stock, which is usually a cheap stock, and they end up just losing a bunch of money because those stocks move all over the place. And trading is emotional, Mark. 90% 90% of what we do is your mindset. And when things are going against you, you've got to have, you've got to have rules. That's why we have them so that you can not make emotional decisions because when emotions go up, intelligence goes down and vice versa, right? So we want to make sure that we stay unemotional. But give you an example. You want a stock that's growing, not just growing as a company, but growing their earnings and growing their sales. Good quality earnings growth and sales growth are really important. It's really the lifeblood of what a stock will trade on. The stocks trade on future earnings and future growth of sales as well. You want to trade something or invest in something that's got something new about it, like electric cars, pretty new. iPhones, if it's not necessarily new, but boy, they keep coming out with different products. I used this AirTag the other day, got one on my car, got one on my phone. You know, People are putting them on their dogs and find all these things all over the place. So Apple's making all these new, really cool cutting edge products. If you go with some of these older companies, they're more stable and, and they're, they're not really cash flow machine stocks. So you want to buy stocks that are breaking out, that are moving forward, that are making good growth and have some exciting, we call it exciting companies that are solid. I mean, just that idea of picking some faster growing investments, they generate more buzz and attention. Like you hear about Fang and it's like, okay, we know who those players are already, but right. being able to see a new player uh, like a few billion in market cap, or maybe even more than that. There's just more movement you can have in a shorter time frame. You mentioned emotions, and I feel like that is so important for any trader, regardless of whether you're trading options, you're just trading in general, or you're just looking at your portfolio and you're a little nervous about inflation and the Fed raising rates. Sure. How do we manage our emotions during what's always going to be uncertainty? Like when the Fed rate, like that stuff becomes old news, like something new is going to pop up. How do we manage emotions in eternal uncertainty? The easy answer, the smart ass answer is to turn off the TV, <laughs> right? Because what are, their job is to get your eyeballs, to get your emotions all riled up. And that's what happens. The market gets driven by emotion. So people call me and they go, hey, why'd the market go down? Well, there's, there's only one real answer, more sellers than buyers, right? But people always want to attach their brain onto some piece of news. Oh, there's a war going on. Oh, there's a, a shortage of this. Oh, there's some kind of pandemic. There's some problem. And if you can divorce yourself from that, because the market usually knows that before you do, 
And if you're trading on it, you're trading on it. So you want to be able to divorce yourself from those emotions. And the way I do it is I make sure that I follow the institutions, the big money. When somebody's buying a billion dollars worth of a stock, I want to be on their side. I don't want to be against them. And you can, and that's what one of the important components is of buying a good stock is making sure that the institution is with you. When the institution is with you, then your emotions become a lot more in check, right? Because you're doing the same thing with the big money and you're just kind of, you're kind of going along in their wake and that really helps you keep your emotions in check. And I love that the, in, the institutions is kind of like social proof where if you see someone sure. with like a lot of followers or you see like testimonials and stuff, you feel more confident. How do we follow the institutions and track what they're able to purchase? Like, is there a way we could easily do that? Yeah, it's way easier than most people think. Most people think you got to go to the SEC site and pull up what they're buying and selling. It's all just on the chart. You can see the volume and the price. So the price is the most important thing, right? But at the end of the day, if you can put volume characteristics with the price and every chart shows the volume below it, then you get a, you get like, it's like the watching a football game. You can get the one guy going, Hey, he ran five yards, but it's the color commentator that gives the whole picture and really makes it exciting. Gives you some history or whatever. It's the same thing with the volume. The volume is like the color commentary on what the price is doing. So that's where you see your emotions. And I always say institutional investors, they leave footprints, right? Big volume days, big spikes up in days. That's the big money buying the stock or selling the stock. And you got to pay attention to those big spike volume days or weeks. And this volume, I mean, just uh, being able to track, like you see outliers, like that's a really good sign. What's your resource for being able to track the historic volume? Because some people may just stumble upon volume and see what it's like for the day without any context as to whether this is a spike or a regular day. Yeah, sure. So I use a 50-day moving average. It's almost on every chart. You can, you can just, it shows you the bar charts at the bottom for the candles for the volume, but then it'll superimpose a little line that kind of draws this 50-day moving chart. It's usually a fairly smooth line because over 50 days, it, it smooths things out. If you have a shorter time, it's a little bit more volatile. So that's kind of what I use is the 50-day moving average. And when things stick up over the 50-day moving average, we call those little skyscrapers, right? So when you have a lot of skyscrapers, that means there's a lot of volume. And if there's a lot of red candles, that means there's a lot of selling. And if there's a lot of green or blue candles, that means that there's a lot of buying. And so that's what you need to, to kind of take note of. Is there a lot of buying from the institutions? Is there a lot of selling? If it's these little candles that aren't even above the 50-day moving average of volume, they kind of don't matter. You really got to pay attention to the big volume candles, especially on the longer timeframes like the weekly charts. And I love having this conversation because there are two main ways to really look at stocks. You could look at fundamentals or you can look at charts. You can look at a little bit of both. Uh, here, 50-day moving average, that is a uh, chart indicator. I'm wondering, sure. like, do you balance the chart and fundamentals? Do you prioritize charts? Or do you say, like, I only look at fundamentals and the charts are a nice bonus? How do you mix those two together? It's both. So I, well, here's, what I, here's one of our rules. And I'm kind of giving away all the secrets. That's okay. You guys are cool. Before you get into a stock, fundamentals. Fundamentals are really anything that doesn't have to do with the chart, like who runs the company, what kind of products they make, what their numbers are, anything that's not on the chart. Those are fundamentals, right? So I always say 80% of your analysis before you get into a stock is fundamental and 20% is technical. After you get into a stock, it's 80% technical and 20% off the chart right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're using the chart 
and the footprints that the institutional investors are leaving to help you make your decisions. But, you know, we get something skewed in our favor in the cash flow machine, and that's that we get to create that income every week, remember? So if the stock is at 100 today and we got $3 for selling it again, so by the way, that $30 I, I mentioned, I think before it was not $3, it was $30. So that was the 3%. But if we got on a $100 stock, if we got $3 for the sale and we created that, we, that 3%, we just brought our basis down to 97 now the stock has to decline 3% for us to even lose money. Imagine doing it again next week. Now it's got to go down 6% for us to even lose money. So if you can continue to do that, you can eventually end up with a free stock that just pays you cash flow. And cash flow is one of those things that we like to talk about because passive income helps you retire early, helps you create the life of your dreams, helps you really just manifest the life that you want because other, then you're not trading your time for money. You're trading your money for time. We think that's an important aspect of what we do. And I mean, 2 to 4% cash flow per month, that's going to be something that compounds really nicely over time. Sure. Mark, I'm wondering if, we, if you could share more about your resource and just some of the other places we could follow your work. Yeah. So I've mean, got a ton of different websites. You can find me at Mark Yegi all over the place. And that's Y-E-G-G-E. But I have a website. In fact, I set something up for your listeners, if that's okay to give that out. Definitely. I have a little booklet called Regular Paychecks. It's actually an ebook. It's a pretty good book. And I wrote it a couple of years ago, but it's called Regular Paychecks, how you can take regular paychecks out of the market. It's that passive income. And the URL is go.destinycreation.com. Destiny Creation is my website, but you put the go on the front of it and we'll give you the rest of the link here in a second. So it's go.destinycreation.com forward slash breakthrough for the name of your show, right? Breakthrough. So go.destinycreation.com forward slash breakthrough. Go on there. We'll have all kinds of notes from this call, this show. And then we'll also give you guys a uh, regular paychecks ebook and be our gift or our pleasure to do that. All Breakthrough Success listeners, you heard it from Mark. You get the notes, you get the ebook, and all of these things will be in the show notes so you can easily reference them after this episode. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. It's been my pleasure, Mark. Have an awesome day and awesome day to all your listeners.